Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club offers bird walks, lectures, and a quarterly newsletter all focused on the hundreds of bird species that pass through Rhode Island. Fall is the perfect time to bid farewell to the last of the summer migrants. Find us at OceanStateBirdClub.org and follow us on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 699. Well, we all have our favorite birds, and one of ours around here is the species you're hearing right now. It's the chimney swift, Ketura pelagica, a species that is in decline along with its swift species relatives and other birds that feed on insects while in flight. There seem to be numerous reasons for the decline, including not enough insects, as a result of excessive pesticide use. And in the case of chimney and other swifts, not enough chimneys. Folks up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, are trying to keep that problem from getting worse in their area by trying to convince the city to retain a big chimney that served as a roosting spot for more than a 1,000 chimney swifts this year. The chimney is part of a group of buildings slated for demolition, in the local Sierra Club and Audubon chapter have requested that the chimney, and by extension the birds that depend on it, be saved. We'll keep following the story and report on developments on that. Meanwhile, we're happy to report that a new restaurant in our hometown of Boston, Massachusetts, is honoring birds by naming their establishment after one. The restaurant is called Chickadee. Located in Boston's booming seaport district. And they've not only named the restaurant after the Chickadee Bird Group, they've given bird names or bird-themed names to all of their cocktails. A few examples, drinks called Orchard Oriole, Albatross, Merlin, and Crimson Sunbird. Now, you'd probably have to travel to Southeast Asia to see that bird, but if you'd like to try a drink named for it, uh, just come to Boston. And in case you wondered, that particular concoction is made from gin, huckleberry, jasmine, and tonic. Sounds refreshing. Which brings us to a question. Do we have to use plastic straws to drink our crimson sunbird cocktails? Plastic straws represent another of the thousands upon thousands of items contributing to the ocean plastic crisis in which 8 million metric tons of plastic are finding their way into our oceans every year. Joining the 150 million metric tons of plastics already there. Think about that. Not 150 tons. 150 million tons. Meanwhile, as Dunkin' Donuts tries to decide whether to stop providing plastic straws, and Starbucks is promising to eliminate them by 2020, we have on hand here in the studio a truly natural straw, uh, sent to us by our friend and Talking Birds ambassador André Dubroy up in Trois-Rivières, Quebec. The straw is actually the hollow stem of the lovage plant, or liveche in French. We mentioned this uh, once before, but we're going to try it out now and see how it works. Are we ready, Tim? We're ready. Oh. Bottoms up. Uh, <laughs> okay, we have our beverage here, so uh, let's let's drink it up. Mm-hmm. 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 
Okay, it worked. The stem of the Lovage plant passes the straw test. It may not be the ultimate answer to the problem, but we like it way better than plastic. Oh, and in case you hadn't heard, uh, speaking of Starbucks, they're offering a $10 million prize to a person who can design a more environmentally friendly coffee cup. I'm going to get working on that, Tim. From the Talking Birds mailbag comes this note I received a couple of days ago from friend and ambassador Patty Vincent up in Roxbury, Vermont. She says, hi, Ray, we had our first snow last night on our hillside here in central Vermont. I think it's time. Our October weather has been warm and windy, and I'm just now cutting back roses still in bloom. But it's time before the nighttime freezes them. We have a beautiful hawthorn, which provides beauty year-round. It's currently covered with its small red fruits and has been a big hit with our huge robins. And today, a beautiful lone cedar waxwing has been enjoying the fruits. I'm used to seeing them in flocks. So one is kind of sad, but better than better one than none, I guess. Well, thank you, Patty, and here's hoping all those other wax wings are not absent as a result of eating fermented berries, uh, which can result in some pretty serious problems related to avian intoxication, as happened up in Minnesota just a couple of weeks ago. And by the way, speaking of snowy weather and the approach of winter, we've been looking at the predictions for winter finches and other northern species coming down into the lower 48. And according to the famous prognosticator Ron Pittaway, we might expect to see a pretty nice array of visitors at our feeders this year, including the Red Cross Bill. Check our Talking Birds Facebook page for a link to all the details about where other species like evening grosbeaks, common red poles, white-winged crossbills, and pine grosbeaks might be showing up this winter. And add to that list a bird we'll be talking about with Mike O'Connor this morning, the pine siskin. We have a note from Jason Beeson in Lander, Wyoming, who points out that in our most recent show, we said that last week's mystery bird, the yellow-billed cuckoo, was not found in the western U.S. Jason points out that the bird actually does breed in California and used to be found in Oregon and Washington also. He says that he spent lots of time surveying for yellow-billed cuckoos in Colorado, Utah, and Wyoming, with some success in Colorado, including the discovery of a nest. So he has some experience with this elusive species in the western U.S. Jason also tells us that the western population of the yellow-billed cuckoo was recently listed as threatened under the Endangered Species Act, which, of course, itself is threatened these days. Well, thanks for the info, Jason. And... uh, Keep up the good work. And by the way, here in Massachusetts, there's been a veritable explosion of yellow-billed cuckoos of late. We've been seeing reports all week of folks seeing them in groups of twos and threes and half dozens in a bunch of locations around the eastern part of the state of Massachusetts. I hear a mystery bird. Here's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later on in the show. Our mystery bird contest contains the unique feature that you don't necessarily have to get the right answer to win the contest. If nobody gets the right answer, we'll do a drawing and determine a winner. The mystery bird this morning is a small songbird with a grayish-green back, a grayish cap, pale yellow underparts, and a white-bordered black eye line, or kind of a white eyebrow. Our bird can be found feeding on insects and some fruit 
mostly in deciduous woods and parklands. It winters in Central America, migrates up through most of the eastern half of the U.S., and breeds all across Canada. Here's another clue. The bird shares a name with a U.S. city, and I don't mean Hoboken. And by way of a bonus clue, it's a city which recently hosted a live broadcast of the Talking Birds radio show. Mm. Uh, and here's our bird imploring you to hear me. Please hear me. That's the mnemonic that's often assigned to that bird. So, our mystery bird contest coming up in just a little bit. We'll give the signal uh, in, in, a, in a while, and uh, we'll be trying to give away, and we will give away, by hook or by crook, a beautiful Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. It attaches right to your window there in your kitchen or wherever, and uh, lets you see the birds up close with an unobstructed view. Plus, bonus prize of a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, a really cool app. Uh, that makes learning uh, bird sounds uh, um, a game. That's what it does. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. A clever optical illusion device at airports in France is preventing encounters between birds and airplanes. We'll connect you to the story about these googly eye runway signs, courtesy of gizmodo.com. Ever get a close-up look at a juvenile red-headed woodpecker? It's kind of beautiful. Our friend Al Bat did. And on our Facebook page right now, you can see what he saw in the beautiful photo that he made and shared. And in case it's been a while since you have seen and heard a chicken playing a Puccini aria on piano, uh, we have you covered on that with a very cool video. On our page right now, you will like it a lot. And those are some of the stories on our Facebook page right now. You can find at least a couple of those instead, if you like, with an online search. And speaking of stories, a few weeks ago reported, uh, we reported several concerning some unusual new clean energy adopters. Probably the most surprising story was that of the Kentucky Coal Mining Museum having switched to solar power. Pretty amazing. But now there's a solar power installation story that's maybe even more amazing because of the location right next to the where the greatest nuclear power plant disaster in history took place in 1986. That, of course, would be Chernobyl in what was then the Ukraine-Soviet Socialist Republic. Well, that site is now home to a one-megawatt, 3,800-panel solar array that is bringing power to the people. The immediate area remains largely uninhabitable, but cleantechnica.com suggests that it brings new hope to the region and to Ukraine as a symbolic first sign of life that has been shamed by the nuclear meltdown there for more than three decades. Well, here's our uh, conservation salute of the week. It goes to the city of San Diego, California. Well, the personal finance website WalletHub has produced a study to determine which U.S. cities are best at promoting a green lifestyle. They compared the 100 largest U.S. cities across 26 key indicators of environmental friendliness and sustainability based on factors ranging from greenhouse gas emissions to green job opportunities to the number of smart energy policies and initiatives. And they rated San Diego as number one. And other Golden State cities also fared well in the study. 
Rounding out the top ten, San Francisco, California, Washington, D.C., Irvine, California, San Jose, California, Honolulu, Hawaii, Fremont, California, Seattle, Washington, Sacramento, California, and Portland, Oregon. Those are the cities ranked highest at promoting a green lifestyle, topped by the recipient of this week's Talking Birds Conservation Salute, the city of San Diego, California. No wonder they call it America's finest city. Time to say thank you to another new Talking Birds ambassador. It's Julie Wiggins from Vero Beach, Florida. Thank you so much, Julie. She says, I was looking for a new birding podcast and stumbled upon Talking Birds and fell in love. I think she means with us, Tim. That's pretty nice. She says, I've always been attracted to birds ever since I was a kid. My dad is a birder and took me all over the Smoky Mountains in North Carolina in search of wood warblers. And his favorite family, Turdidae, more commonly known as the thrush family. Living in Florida, I have become an active birder, utilizing eBird and engaging with my local Audubon Society. I'm trying to reduce my own carbon footprint and find it delightful that Talking Birds brings to light pressing issues such as conservation, environmental resources, and how we can do better. Thank you so much, Julia, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Meanwhile, inspired by a place that's a couple of thousands of miles north northwest of Vero Beach, Florida, comes this plea from some guy making a pretty lame attempt at doing a Badlands cowboy accent. Well, we're thrilled to have heard from Talking Birds listeners in every U.S. state and ambassadors from almost every U.S. state, but so far, not in... I say not in, I mean not in, in North Dakota. Yeah, the city boys with their flashy toys make me smile when they come around. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm from this northern town in North Dakota. In North Dakota. Yes, if you're a Talking Birds listener in North Dakota, we're here by sending you a special invitation to become a Talking Birds ambassador. To accept the invitation, just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's the Become an Ambassador option. Contact button at TalkingBirds.com. We'd like to welcome you as a representative of the Rough Rider State, a.k.a. the Peace Garden State, the great state of North Dakota. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. Mike will school us about, yeah, pine siskins. Plus, we'll conduct our famous mystery bird contest. And up next, a bird that some people seem to hate but that we should maybe better appreciate is today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Our featured feathered friend right after this. Hi, I'm Debbie Bleacher, Talkin' Birds Senior Producer. We bring you Talkin' Birds every week because we care about birds and the environment. We know you care too, so we try to keep you informed about small things like hummingbird eggs, big things like climate change, and everything in between. But here's what's troubling. Since so many of us care about birds and the environment, how come 15.78 million American environmentalists didn't vote in the midterm elections in 2014? Our votes matter for the health of birds and all wildlife, so let's do better this time around. We pledge to vote on November 6th. 
How about you? For more information and to register to vote, go to environmentalvoter.org. That's environmentalvoter.org. Oh boy, where to start? Loud, shrill, aggressive, gluttonous. You mean your boss? No, that bird, that, that, that blue jay. Yeah, some people seem to kind of hate blue jays, but they're not always loud or shrill. They're also pretty musical, and they're excellent mimics, specializing in imitating the sound of the red-tailed hawk, for example. Aggressive? Well, sure, but so are hummingbirds, and house finches, and house wrens, and house sparrows, and many other birds, for that matter. It's a tough world out there. And gluttonous? Well, the blue jay can't help it if it has a special throat pouch that allows it to store a bunch of food before swallowing it or taking it somewhere else for safekeeping. And speaking of safekeeping, blue jays play a big part in the growth of trees, like oak trees, because they bury lots of acorns in over a wide area, often hiding them at the edge of forests in soft earth, perfect spots for acorns to take root and sprout and grow and make more oak trees since the blue jays don't find all the acorns they hide in the soil. Geologists believe that blue jays played a vital role in revegetating North America with oaks and beaches following the retreat of the glaciers during the last ice age. How can you hate a bird that's done all that? Let's give a listen to some of the many sounds and calls made by that clever member of the intelligent corvid family that also includes crows, ravens, and magpies. The blue jay. Pretty impressive, huh? Especially that red-tailed hawk imitation at the end, performed by the underappreciated Blue Jay, today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Gives us a little extra appreciation of Cyanocita cristata, I think. Thanks for being with us on our show number 699. Please do uh, check us out at TalkinBirds.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. Up next, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Hello, I'm Ed Begley Jr. And wherever you call home, the sounds of wildlife connect you with a greater family of life. That's why you shudder each time you see woods, marshes, meadows, or grasslands being destroyed. You know that countless birds and other wild animals are losing their homes, the greatest threat to their survival. Among the growing number of threats to wildlife, Habitat loss is the most devastating. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust offers a humane solution, working with private landowners to protect habitat as permanent safe havens for wildlife. When you hear the familiar wild voices you love, remember, your voice is the one that can speak for wildlife and for the land they call home, ensuring that it stays forever wild. 
To learn more, to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Hear me, please hear me, says our mystery bird this morning, a small songbird with a grayish-green back, a grayish cap, pale yellow underparts, and a white-bordered eye line. What is that bird? Tell us on our mystery bird contest, or take your guess. It's 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Our bird can be found feeding on insects and some fruit in mostly deciduous woods and parklands. It winters in Central America, migrates up through most of the eastern half of the U.S., breeds all across Canada. Another clue, the bird shares a name with the U.S. city, and I don't mean Hoboken. It's where we broadcast our show from a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And uh, that would be our mystery bird. Beautiful prizes, including the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder, which attaches securely right to your window, providing an unobstructed view. And then there's that download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes uh, learning bird sounds a game. What is it? Our mystery bird. Call us as soon as you can at 781-837-4900 and let us know what you think. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we're going to learn about uh, Winter Visitor coming to uh, the lower 48. That would be with Mike O'Connor. And let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Well, in 2015, Noah Stricker set himself a lofty goal to become the first person to see half the world's birds in one year. He traveled across 41 countries in all seven continents, eventually spotting 6,042 species. By far the biggest birding year on record, he recorded it all in his memoir, Birding Without Borders, now available in paperback. This is no travelogue or glorified checklist. Noah ventures deep into a world of chronic sleep deprivation, airline snafus, breakdowns, mudslides, floods, war zones, ecologic devastation, conservation triumphs, common and iconic species, and scores of passionate bird lovers around the globe. By pursuing the freest creatures on the planet, he gains a unique perspective on the world they share with us and offers a hopeful message that even as many birds face an uncertain future, more people than ever are working to protect them. Birding Without Borders is available wherever books are sold. Mike O'Connor is down there. We've, we've verified it down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, and he joins us right now. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Ray. You know what, I just, I just want to say before we get going here that yeah. I just spent a week up in Maine traveling around mm-hmm. doing some birding, and I, I was kind of inspired by your rage against the plastic, so I, I brought uh, thermoses and water bottles and stopped everywhere I went to refill my coffee thermos, and I wow. refilled my water bottle and didn't throw away one piece of plastic. I didn't use any, and I, I, I kept reusable stuff. So good for you for putting that little... Well, good, good for you. Look at spontaneous applause there from, wow. from the audience. I didn't know the crowd was there today. Good oh. for you. Yeah, they're all they're always here. Sometimes they're just kind of quiet. But uh, yeah, so uh, well, that's great. That's that's uh, great to hear. And you saw a lot of sandhill cranes up there, am I right? Yeah, who knew they were there? Yeah. I didn't. I was up there looking at other stuff. You know, some of these winter finches you had mentioned, and uh, some lady tipped me off. And boy, there's a bunch up there. Apparently, in the last decade, they've started breeding up there. Which you know, people out west and down south, they don't 
um, you know, that's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But this is up here in New England. It's not a very common bird. But in the last decade or so, they started breeding up in Maine. And I think one patch we saw like 30, 31 uh, wow. of those ginormous sandhill cranes. So that was a treat. Pretty, pretty cool. Well, when you and I talk about birds, Mike, we usually use the Latin name uh, rather than the uh, than the common name. <laughs> I uh, know I do. <laughs> yeah, and I guess we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm not sure if it's spinus pinus or spinus pinus, but it's kind of a cool name. It is right? a cool name. It's a cool bird too, and it's a bird we don't often get to see. As a matter of fact, the first time I remember seeing one it was back in 1975. I was working at a local school, and I walked in the um, guidance counsel's office, and she had a thistle sock, and was, mm-hmm. and I, I said to the lady, I said, "What's wrong with those goldfinches?" And she's like <laughs> looking at me. And she said, "Those are pine siskins, you idiot." And I had not been familiar with them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks around here aren't because they're kind of inconsistent. Uh, they're a, they can be a backyard bird you know come to our backyard feeders mm-hmm. but it doesn't happen often and in this could this could be a year when they show up they're very nomadic and they don't show up the same places even when they travel even when they run out of food they seem to go different places so one year we might get a lot one year might we might not see any and one year we had so many and this was in the whole northeast that there was a shortage of thistle seed nitro seed a lot of people put out and it actually created a shortage there was so many and when you think of these birds they're about the size of a gulf and they really look like a cross between a winter plumage american goldfinch mm-hmm. and a house finch because they got a little bit of yellow mostly on the edges of the wings but they're streaky mm-hmm. like a female house finch mm-hmm. but they're a little bit thinner and their beak is a lot pointier but it's their overall attitude. They love each other's company. They like other birds, but they're like a tight-knit family that doesn't ever get along very well. They're always fighting with each other, they're, and they'll stand up to any bird, a much bigger bird. You mentioned blue jays a second ago. I love blue jays, but they'll stand up to them. They'll stand up to anybody. They spread their wings, and they point their pointy beak out. So if you have a feeder, you know, and I always say this, you know, pay attention to your feeders. Just don't put it out there and forget about it because you'll see some unusual birds. And this year, you can see uh, those feisty little... Spinus, spinus. That's right, yeah. Yeah, you do the last part. (laughs) All right, Mike, thanks you. Thanks for that info. We'll be looking. Okay. And talking to you again next week. week. Back here now to the mystery bird contest. The bird we're trying to identify, a small songbird with a grayish-green back, a grayish cap, pale yellow underparts, and a white-bordered black eye line, or you could call it a black eye line with a white eyebrow, I guess. A bird feed found, uh, found feeding on insects and some fruit, mostly in deciduous woods and uh, parklands, wintering in Central America, migrating up through most of the eastern half of the U.S., breeding all across Canada. What would it be? 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Um, uh, we're going to go to Bram first in Citrate, but we have to have this uh, brief uh, message first, and then uh, and then we'll uh, talk to Bram. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Well, good morning, Bram. Good morning. Well, you heard our, some clues there in the sound of our mystery bird, uh, Bram. What, what, do you, uh, what do you say that is? A na- the Nashville Warbler. Nashville Warbler, Tim. Oh, that's a little sound there that would indicate that's not exactly the uh, answer we were looking for. But thank you, Bram. Try us again, all right? Okay. 
Bram in Situate, Massachusetts there. Guessing uh, Nashville Warbler is our mystery bird. This is the uh, sound of the uh, of the mystery bird, but uh, not exactly the one we were looking for. Uh, we're trying to clear another call through here. 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Don't forget, if you don't get the correct answer, you could still be our winner if nobody does get the exact correct answer. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, while we have a moment, we can tell you we're heading down to Rhode Island, to Riverside, Rhode Island today, to the uh, 121st annual meeting of the Audubon Society of Rhode Island. It's a great group. If you're in Rhode Island or even near Rhode Island, uh, we recommend you to check them out at ASRI.org. That's ASRI.org. Uh, Tim says we don't have time for this call coming in, so we're going to have to uh, reveal the identity of the bird, which was the Philadelphia Vireo. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Lean's Cape Cod. BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com by Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. BirdsAndBeans.com and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club offers bird walks, lectures, and a quarterly newsletter all focused on the hundreds of bird species that pass through Rhode Island. Fall is the perfect time to bid farewell to the last of the summer migrants. Find us at OceanStateBirdClub.org and follow us on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. 